Oh, well, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, today I want to speak to you about your part. Perhaps as Christians, we wonder, what, what is our part exactly? For we, we learn, and correctly so, that it is our Lord and Savior responsible for our salvation. That's what we learn. That's especially what we teach within our Lutheran <coughs> Church, Missouri Synod. Because you, you go out into the world, you see other Christians, and they're talking about how they chose God, aren't they? They're talking about how they made a decision for Christ. Well, with language like that, though, it kind of begins to put all of the emphasis upon the individual, doesn't it? Because like, oh yeah, one, one day I was lost, but then I came to my senses. One day I was, you know, doing some sin, but I, I figured out it was wrong. See, one day I decided to follow Jesus. Right, we hear language like that all the time, don't we? But once again, all of that puts the emphasis upon the individual, doesn't it? They, they got smarter, they, they got brighter, they were enlightened somehow. Right? They made a decision. I can pat myself on the back. I decide I'm going to do it. And dear friends, as you know from confirmation, we have always taught, you know, God does it all. If you and I get saved, if our friends and neighbors come to salvation, it's because God desired for that to happen. It's because God working behind the scenes led them to the place where they could proclaim Christ as Savior. You see, Martin Luther has always wanted us, and rightfully so, to be able to point to God rather than to ourselves. To be able to say that God loves everyone. God desires for everyone to be saved. God is working behind the scenes for everybody. God wants people in heaven. It's all God, you see. We all were lost. We all were deep in sin. Jesus didn't come because anybody was worthy. He came because we all were unworthy. Every one of us needed help. Even someone like Job in the Old Testament, of which it says, Behold my servant Job, a man without sin. Even a Job can fall into sin. Even a Job comes to need salvation. Even someone that's been able to live a perfect life for 30, 40, even 50 years comes to the place where they're lost. They can't make it on their own. They need help. And that help is Jesus, the Savior. And so we ask that, that question today as Lutherans, well, what is my part? 
Do, do, do I, I just kind of, you know, passively walk around like a, a little robot and, and, you know, God comes to kind of control me like they control some of those big drones, you know, that, that are out there and then, you know, God kind of flies me around like a little drone the, the rest of my, my life. I, I, I don't know. See, what, what is my part? The Apostle Paul, he comes to us today, he tells us what our part is to protect the gift. To protect it. It gives us this beautiful picture, doesn't it, that our salvation is a precious gift. The, The Holy Spirit coming to live within our hearts the day that we were baptized that is a precious gift. And what are you and I called to do? I say, oh, I have to earn it. So, some denominations teach that, right? Some denominations say, you know, God looks down and, and he sees some people trying to be worthy. And he says, oh, those people there, they're trying awfully hard. Look at them. Maybe I will pick from some of those people. Some churches, they teach that. But no, God looks down upon everyone and says that everyone is sinning. Not one of them is worthy, but I love them still. I want them to be able to come into heaven. I'm going to give to them the gift. For, for some of you farmers out there, you, you might say, you know, that one parable that Jesus teaches, it seems awfully wasteful. Because the farmer, he's just throwing seed everywhere. He throws seed on in, the, in the weedy soil. He throws it on the rocky ground. He's just kind of throwing seed everywhere. What a waste of the seed, right? But dear friends, that's how much God loves us. He, he goes, well, you know, there's some, some people with weeds in their life. I'm going to throw seed at them. And there are some people with really hard hearts and, and they're like rocks, but I'm going to throw my seed over there. I want everyone to be saved. I want everyone to get the seed. It's freely available. It's not because I, I earned it. It's not because when I saw God approaching, I even lifted up my hand. Because there's nothing in me I think we understand that probably, don't we? God comes, he takes the gift, he places it inside your heart. Not because of anything you did, not because you were were willing to receive it, not because you finally got to the next level and God acknowledged your work. But no, God, he just comes to you, he puts the gift in your heart, and then you say, what is my Part is that I protect it. See, that's our part. God gives this wonderful gift of His Holy Spirit. Paul, again in the text for today, he talks about it being the spirit of love, the spirit of self-control. You see, why can a true Christian live a life that seems 
beyond the expectations of others is because of that Holy Spirit. It's because of that increased self-control that a Christian comes to have. And it's not really even so much about anger because sometimes, you know, we talk about self-control. We say, oh, you know, that, that means I never get angry, right? But no, the, the apostle comes and he says, be angry, but sin not. You see, there, there's a time for righteous anger, isn't there? You see someone committing sin. You see someone going the wrong way. You see somebody leading other people into sin. You have every right to become angry about that. But it doesn't mean you can go punch him in the nose, right? It doesn't mean you can go, you know, slash their tires or, you know, take out your knife and dig a big old trench along the paint the side of their car. It doesn't mean that you can go and sin. But you can be angry. Because people doing wrong things creates anger within us, doesn't it? Angry. Your voice raises a, a little bit. It becomes a little bit more forceful. You know, maybe you're pointing the finger. Maybe your finger's shaking a little bit. And you're saying, stop sinning. Don't do that anymore. Why? Because... God loves you. As a Christian, you should stay far away from those things. As an example to your family, to your community, you ought to be doing things in the right way. And so we can become angry, but we don't sin. We can become you know, frustrated. But that frustration doesn't dominate our lives. We can't administer correction to other people. But we do it not because we, we like to bust people. Not because we, we like to catch people doing wrong. But we do it because we want people to have the life that God desires for them. And so we protect the gift. See, you, you protect it. What's the, the first part of that? The, the first part is that you acknowledge the gift is valuable, don't you? And see, if, if it's just, you know, some M&Ms that some kid gave you in the course of the, the day and you don't really eat M&Ms anymore because you're a little bit older and, and they raise your blood sugar and and you kind of just took them and, you know, threw them on your, your bureau when you got home. And then it's just like, oh, if someone comes and, and steals those, then it has no effect. It's like, who, who cares? I didn't even really want them in the first place, but I, I smiled and shook my head and said, thank you, you know. But no, the Holy Spirit needs to be something of utmost importance to us, doesn't it? That, that there would be even nothing that I could compare it to this morning. It, it would be like protecting the life of your son or daughter, right? It would be like protecting the, the life of, of your mom or dad. 
right? Something of utmost importance. Here is this wonderful, precious gift the Lord has given me. I want to protect it. I want it to not be soiled. I want it to not be damaged by anything. I want the Lord to be happy living in my heart, right? And so then with with that as our foundation, we go out into the world and we come into many and, and various situations But protecting the gift, if that's the topmost thing in our mind, that's going to determine the the way we behave, isn't it? Now, if I I get together with with some friends and and they begin to to suggest that I I do something immoral, illegal, Okay, well, what's going to determine if I make the decision to go with my friends and, and to do those kinds of things or if I'm going to stand alone and continue to do what's right? Well, if I'm focused on protecting the gift, right, I, I don't want to take the most precious thing in my life into some kind of situation where evil is going to take place, Right? I don't want me who is filled with the Holy Spirit to go into that movie theater to to watch an X-rated movie because it would defile the gift that's within me. I show up at a a party that I thought was going to be kind of a a nice uh, place and it was going to be a good time and, you know, maybe... There'd be a, a few beers or something like that, and people would be dancing a, a little bit. But I, I thought, you know, it's going to be kind of a wholesome, you know, kind, kind of a party. And I, I arrived there, and it's not. And, and sinful things are happening. And I began to look around, and my friends are saying, oh, come on, you're so uptight. Come on, come on, come on in. Okay, what's going to make the determination if I do go on in? Or if I follow my my first reaction that that this isn't the place I'm supposed to be. It's going to be about protecting the gift, isn't it? Right, that I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of my heart. I see this situation. I have friends and neighbors enticing me to come into some kind of sin. And I say, no, no. I'm leaving. I'm gone. Right? I, I thought this was going to be fun. Instead, a bunch of people are just getting drunk. I thought this was going to be a nice time, and I saw some people taking drugs in the back. You know, I, I, I thought these were my friends, but instead, they're just people trying to lure me into sin. If we protect the gift. I want it to be protected. It can be something far more simple, can't it? You know, you, you uh, ladies, perhaps, you're called to some ladies club, a, a group. You know, you, you, you go there, you think, oh, it's going to be a nice time, and, you know, we'll drink some refreshment, we'll have some of those nice little cakes, and, or, you know, have nice decorations on top, and, and it, it, it's going to be real good. 
And, and, and you walk in the door, and people are gossiping. Oh, did, did you hear about Mary? Did you hear about Sally? Oh, oh Sally's granddaughter. Oh, hi. Did you hear about that? They're, they're, they're just kind of gossiping, and, and they're kind of maybe backbiting. And if you say to yourself, you know what? I want to protect the gift. Right? I want the Lord to be happy where I am. And from my knowledge of the scripture, I don't think the Lord is real happy right now. And maybe what I need to do is just get in my car and go on home. You know, sometimes yeah, we're, we're called for just a, a peaceful retreat, I believe. But if that righteous anger rises up within you, maybe it's a, a particular time too when that anger of God you know, causes you to point the finger and you say, you guys, you ought not to be doing this. You ought not to be gossiping. You ought not to be backbiting. Right? This is supposed to be a Christian ladies group. Right? We're, we're above things like that. You, you take a risk. Maybe they throw you out. Maybe as soon as you leave, they're gossiping about you. Maybe they start, you know, backbiting against you. You take that chance, but you do it because the gift is the most important, right? So I want to protect the gift. I want the Lord to be pleased being in my life. For us, that becomes the bottom line, doesn't it? Now, you know, maybe it, it seems kind of silly at, at the end of a, a sermon you know, like this, where you know the things we've been talking about, where the pastor would, would then come and say, you know what, you know, Jesus is worth it. That's always kind of how we close out our, our stuff, isn't it? You know, Jesus is worth that kind of protection, isn't he? Jesus is worth that kind of dedication. Jesus is worth having inside your heart. He's worth it. And you know all the reasons, don't you? For years and years, you've been hearing why Jesus is worthy. It's because he loved us first, right? It's because he went to the cross and he died for each of us. It's because he loved us so much that even though there have been times in our lives when it is as if we're standing at the foot of the cross and shaking our fist at him and mocking his name and calling him many vile and terrible things, even though we got to that place, he still died for us. <coughs> I, I hope maybe you've never been there, but maybe you have. The worst the thing imaginable happened. 
There just seemed to be blackness filling your mind. You, you didn't know what tomorrow would bring. And you said, Jesus, if you really loved me, you never would have let this happen. <clears throat> have you ever been there? And dear friends, at that very moment, Jesus still loved you so much. He died for that sin. He loved you so much at the moment you were hating on him, they were shaking your fist at him. He still died for you. He is worthy. He loves you so much. He gives the gift freely. He brings his Holy Spirit. He places it within your heart. There's nothing that you can, can do. There's no reason for him to have done that, but yet he gives freely. And all he asks is, will you protect it? Will you take care of it? Will you cherish it? And today we say, yes, Lord, we will. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. The grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen. <clears throat>